You're listening to AskDaryl.com. You've got questions, we'll get you the answers. AskDaryl.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 49 of the Ask Daryl podcast. The Ask Daryl podcast is where I, your host, Daryl Girardier, take your questions on social media, technology, and communications, all dealing with the church, and do my best to answer them in the most brief yet thorough way possible. Folks, today we actually have a pretty, I think it's a big announcement, but I'm going to save it towards the end of this podcast, so you'll want to listen in towards the end. And I have an announcement about episode number 50 that I'm really excited about that um, I confirmed today that we're going to do. So it's going to be awesome. So let's get to today's podcast, which is about creating a digital content strategy. And this is something I've been thinking about, honestly, for the last week and a half. Um, And some stuff has kind of come together in my mind that I wanted to share in terms of how I think things are evolving in the world of creating a content strategy for your church. So we're going to talk this through in two parts, um, and this may be a little bit, I may chase a few rabbit holes here and there because of the fact that um, uh, I didn't tightly script this one, um, partly because I wanted to I wanted to be a little more freeform with my thoughts. So here we go. Uh, this isn't like the authoritative, like how to do a digital strategy, but this is like what I think is some really good pointers and how you might want to attack doing a digital content strategy, obviously focusing on the content part of that statement. Um, and the reason why I bring this up is one has been on my mind, and the two, uh, I think we are entering in, and where we have entered in for a while, this new twenty four seven cycle of media, um, especially on the digital side, where it requires you to uh, create a lot more content. And I think for a lot of us, that's a pretty big burden when you are probably in charge of other things in your church other than just social media. There's very, very few people I know that all they do is social media for a church. They are typically the student minister or they are the church secretary or they're just they're the communications person so they're the graphic designer the video person and the social media person so they have they wear three or four hats and so the idea of creating a lot of content for your social media channels is a daunting task and rightly so but today we're going to talk through some of the things i think they can make it a little easier for you and then talk about how to distribute that content so the big th- thing I want you to remember about creating a digital content strategy is is that it doesn't have to be overwhelming in terms of the content creation if you think of it uh, like this and that is you want to use what we call every part of the buffalo now I may have talked about this before but this is actually a statement I got from Brad Bird from the one of the behind the scenes little featurettes in the movie The Incredibles um, if you have never seen it before, watch the behind the scenes of Incredibles because it is amazing watching Brad Bird kind of direct the movie and watch him lead a creative team. But he talks about, you know, we're going to use every part of the buffalo, which is the idea that, you know, um, back in the day when they would catch a buffalo, there were a thousand uses for everything inside the buffalo and they're going to use every single piece of it. And so that's how I kind of approach content strategy. And so what I do is I look at the, the worship service as the buffalo. And the reason why I look at the worship service as the main thing that I'm going to derive a lot of content from is for two reasons. First off, one, it's the largest communal event that your church probably does, where it's the big shared experience that most people participate in. So you've got everybody kind of keyed in on that one Sunday. That's what they do. So it's a shared event, which means it's going to resonate with a largest group of your, the largest part of your audience, because obviously it's a community, a community based event. Second thing is, 
is that it's probably the one thing that your pastor is going to spend the majority of his time prepping for. Um, his sermon, whether it be 25, 15, or 45 minutes, however long your pastor goes, it's the one thing throughout the week that he's probably spending a good amount of time working on. So when you're able to create a lot of content from that, one, people are going to resonate with it because obviously it's something that everybody heard. But two, the other advantage of that is is it reinforces for your pastor the importance of social media because he's going to see what he worked on being put out on social media throughout the week. And for a lot of them, that's for a lot of people, that's a great way to get your pastors your pastors buy in on social media. Um, a lot of pastors don't really trust social media, but when you're able to see what you are able to take their sermon and do with it, uh, then all of a sudden, I think for a lot of them, the light bulb goes off in their head. They're going, "Oh wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know we could do X, Y, or Z." So. Those are two of the big reasons why I really push that the Buffalo in this case is going to be your worship service. Now, the question is, so how do you create content out of a worship service? And I've advocated this approach before, but let me kind of break it down. The way this approach works is you need one, you need to do two things off the bat. You need to have some sort of video capture of your worship service, specifically the sermons, what I'm looking for. So if you could find some way to have that captured, if you don't already have that system in place, I want to capture the, really the sermon, if nothing else, with a good audio off of the audio board. I want a good audio and at least a good static, uh, say static, a good like, solid shot of the pastor speaking. So I want that. The second thing is I want to be able to find and take that sermon and I want to record it in MP3 format. And, or I can actually still use the video for this next part as well, but MP3 is a little bit better because what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that MP3 of that video and then I'm going to send it to a service like Fiverr, which is uh, F-I-V-E-R-R or uh, Upwork or any other freelance site. And I'm going to have it transcribed. And so what they're going to do is they're going to turn around and they're going to literally take the, and they're going to listen to the worship service and they're going to turn around and basically put the whole thing in a word document for me. And this is really, really, really simple way to basically get a lot of content out of the sermon. Cause what they're doing is they're putting it into text format for you. And with this text format, what we're going to do, the transcription you're going to get back, you're going to turn around and you're going to do at least three things with it. First off one, you're going to turn around and you can edit the content in the blog posts. The transcription is going to come back verbatim, so you're going to have to go in and clean up the grammar anyway, so keep that in mind. You want to keep uh, clean up the grammar and anything that's a little jargon-heavy, you might want to kind of tweak a little bit. But on a good 45-minute sermon, you could probably pull anywhere between two to three, maybe up to four blog posts out of a sermon. You know, uh, you, and, you'll, and you'll see the pattern develop of like that section right there make a really great little 400 or 500-word blog post. And then you'll be able to create that content really easily for a blog post. The second thing I want to do is I want to take some of that. And sometimes I want, I don't want to do so much a blog post with the text. Sometimes I just want to do a really long Facebook post. Um, we're finding that while I, I'm not a huge fan of a truckload of text, um, I do find that surprisingly for some reason for our audience, your audience may be different. But every once in a while we do a long Facebook blog post. I'm talking like you know, 200, 300 words into a Facebook um, blog post. Um, people really like it. And I don't know why, because I've always think video rules on Facebook. For some, for some reason, it works. So I'm not going to complain. So blog posts, long text face, Facebook posts. And then I'm going to pull some quotes from it for Instagram or Twitter artwork. In other words, I'm going to use the uh, app Adobe Post or Word Swag. I'm going to put in those quotes into the app and just create some really simple, easy, or even use Canva if you want to use a desktop uh, application. Uh, I'm going to turn around and create these really nice pieces of Instagram artwork or and the, which I can then obviously post on Twitter and Facebook as well, which is quotes from the sermon. Again, the point of all of this is, is I'm pointing them back to the event that they just were at that Sunday. I'm reminding them 
about that. In fact, what I'm trying to do, if you really think about it, is I'm trying to make that sermon live throughout the week. I'm trying to make that worship service extend from a Sunday to Sunday basis. So they're constantly thinking about that worship service throughout the week. I want to do that as much as I can because I know my people daily are checking their digital devices. And I don't want to be part of that digital experience they do on a daily basis. Now for the video portion, the reason why I want you to videotape it is I want to take probably two, if I can get two to five clips out of that sermon that I can put online and upload to Facebook and upload to YouTube as well. Now keep in mind, as I create these clips, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to upload them directly to Facebook and I'm going to upload them directly to YouTube. Okay. I'm going to do that two separate ways up to Facebook and then up to YouTube. I'm not going to do YouTube and then cross post it over to Facebook. I want to give Facebook its own upload of the video because I know it's going to perform better when I do that. So I want to pull again, two to five clips from the sermon and upload them to YouTube, which I could then turn around and share on Twitter. And I want to do that and upload the clips up to Facebook. If I can do a 15 second clip, that's great. I can then throw it up on Instagram if I wanted to. However, I haven't found too much success with the 15, uh, 15 second Instagram clip, but occasionally that's not bad to do that as well. Another thing I want to do from the worship service, and this is something I have not experimented with, but I thought of this and I think it's a really great idea that somebody should do. And I probably, I say when somebody should do it, that means I probably need to do it is, is get people's live reaction on your iPhone, like on just on video of immediately following the sermon, like gets to grab somebody in the hallway and say, Hey, what was your one takeaway from today's sermon? And then quickly upload that video to Facebook and YouTube as well. Um, that's probably something you might want to quickly be able to easily do. Now, going back to these video clips real quick before I forget, uh, you may be asking, okay, great. I know how to do the transcription. I know how to create the Instagram artwork. How do you edit the video? Um, if you don't have like a subscription to Adobe Cloud, uh, which will allow you to do Adobe Premiere, and you don't have the cash, and rightly so, to download one of those big fancy programs like Final Cut X, if you're on a Mac, you can easily use QuickTime and QuickTime has a trim feature, which allows you to open up a video and then quickly you hit Command T and then you can actually trim the video to where you want it and just export it. So if you're on a uh, Mac, that's how you do that. If you're on a PC, I'm pretty sure there are probably some pretty easy options to just quickly trim a video clip. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money. I'm, I bet you Windows Movie Maker probably could do that just as well as QuickTime can. I'm not familiar with it, but I'm pretty sure it probably could do that. So. That's what I want to do with all this content for this worship service. I want to create, I want to get a transcription. I want to create video clips. I want to, you know, turn them into blog posts, upload them to Facebook. I want to pull quotes for Instagram artwork. I want to do all those things. Now, that's the content part of the strategy. And that's one way to get you started. There are probably a thousand other ways to do that. But that's a good way, I think, for anybody to get started when they're trying to figure out how to do digital, digital content strategy for their church. However, that's only half of it. The other half is how do you or what how do you should you distribute this? And today, this second part, I want to talk about a little, a little bit of mind shift that I've had over the I would say the last six months in terms of how content delivery should work. For the longest time, I've been the advocate of the fact that you should own your website. And I still do this day think you should own a website and still think your church should have a website because I think they need a home base that they quote unquote own. However, part of the strategy has always been for a lot of people is I want to point them back to the website. And to me, that's a very much a 2005, 2006, 2007 old school publishers mentality. If you watch print publishers, print publishers who try to migrate over into your old media people in general who migrate over the digital world, their mentality always is, is this is our content. We own it. And I want you back on our website. I want you back on our platform. 
the reality of it is, is we are dealing in a world now where your best bet is to distribute your content on as many platforms and as many formats as possible. If you want a really great article that kind of outlines this, but uh, is is a is the Fast Company article that just was written? I would say last month about BuzzFeed. I will find the article if I can, and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I'll put it as a link. And in that article, they really kind of see how you really show how BuzzFeed kind of really honestly cares somewhat about their website. But the reality of it is, is they're more focused on getting their content out on as many platforms as possible. So when you create these video clips, when you create this text, let's think of every single place you can put this content uh, in formats that'll work on that platform. So I want to get, again, I want to get the content on many formats and as many possible formats and as many platforms as possible. Now, when you do this, when you take artwork and you throw it on Pinterest, Instagram, when you throw it on Facebook and Twitter, you do all these things. That's really, really important because I think the more you, 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 you get the content out there, the more chance you're going to be able to do something what we call measuring, and that's measuring your metrics. And that's the next part I want to get to. It's great to have all this content out there, but you got to – Put in metrics by which you're going to measure these things. The problem is for a lot of us is there's no easy one simple dashboard that can easily measure all your metrics. So you're going to have to probably use a combination of tools. So I will tell you the two tools that I've used in the past that I really have liked. First one is Hootsuite. Um, Hootsuite lets you create these custom basically reports that you can have mailed to you weekly. Um, I think or actually even daily. I have mine uh, emailed to me weekly. And every Monday I get in a report that lists out our Twitter, our Facebook, and our Google Analytics report from the previous week. So I can tell you which content performed well, which content got retweeted, and which page on our website was visited the most, and you know where did that traffic come from. It's a really simple, easy-to-use dashboard that kind of keeps me up to date on where we are. But for Instagram and Pinterest, for other things that we use, I have to use a dashboard like SumAll. It's S-U-M-A-L-L. And what that allows you to do is it allows you to kind of measure your Instagram uh, analytics. Hootsuite doesn't offer that yet, and I'm hoping with their new analytics tool to be able to do that. But again, what I'm doing is, is if you notice what I'm doing is, I'm setting a specific time, which is Monday morning, and I'm walking through all of our analytics because I want to measure what we've done and if we did it well. Because what that allows me to do by measuring all this content I'm cranking out and putting on all these channels, it allows me to sit there and go back and go adjust and go, okay, this is working, this is not working. And what are some of the things that are anomalies? We This Christmas we had an anomaly. We had one Facebook post that reached, reached up to 5 million Facebook feeds. Honestly, to this day, Katie and I can't tell you why that happened. We're still kind of researching why that happened. Majority of ourselves reached around, like, I think, like thirty to 40,000. This one reached 5 million. So you're going to have some anomalies. But the reality of it is I want to kind of check patterns and so I can adjust accordingly for time, format, content, and figure out what's working for audience and working well. Um, one way you also might want to track these analytics is just build an Excel grid. And then as you kind of see all these reports coming from Hootsuite, SumAll, whatever you're using, put them all in Excel grid so you can just kind of have a, a roadmap of what's going on. So that kind of, if you will, that kind of lays out for me how I would think you need to start thinking about the, distributing your content. Um, not to say that you don't want to put stuff on your your, your, your website, like say have an article section or a, a you know video archive section. Um, I just think we have to help people break from the mentality of every piece of content, everything you do has got to point back to your website. The reality is, is it's more about getting your content in people's hands and, and going to where they're at versus trying to get people to come to you. And that's a big shift for people who come from a traditional media mindset because traditional media is always trying to get you to come back to home base. And in this case, for a lot of people, that's their digital platform of their website, trying to get you to come back to the home base. So, 
that's a brief summary of how I would lay out a digital content strategy from the content side and from the delivery standpoint. So hopefully I didn't overwhelm you with all of that. I try to keep this podcast short as possible, but today I felt like this is something I really wanted to tackle. Now to the big announcement. This is episode number 49. We're about to hit episode number 50. And when I started this podcast, I said I would never, I would not do interviews or, or um, wouldn't try to keep up with like tech news or that kind of thing because that just is so difficult to do. However, I am going to do an interview in episode 50, and I'm going to interview the one and only Katie Allred. Katie Allred and I have worked together for two, almost two and a half years now, and we've never done a podcast together that I can think of. However, she is really the brains behind the whole operation in terms of actually getting down, and I'm going to sit down with her, and we're going to talk about what it actually takes to run social media on a day-to-day basis for our church. Um we're going to talk about what we think each other does well, what we don't do well, and we're going to get down into the weeds. So if you've got a question for us during that episode, just put it, uh, go to askdaryl.com and just throw it in the form that's listed there, or you can just hit me up on Twitter and just say what you want to ask Katie or I. But it's going to be a long podcast. It's going to be a good podcast because Katie is unbelievably smart, um, and she's going to bring a lot to the table. So I am so excited that she is up for doing this. And so we're going to record that next week and that'll be posted episode number 50. So I'm excited. Thank you so much for listening. If you got a question for me, head over to askdaryl.com. That's A-S-K-D-A-R-E-L.com. You can direct message me on Twitter. I'm at D-G-I-R-A-R-D-I-E-R. Don't forget, if you want to subscribe, you can get us on iTunes or Stitcher if you're using an Android device. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to AskDaryl.com. Don't forget, if you've got questions, go online and submit them to AskDaryl.com.